0: Is weight training on your to-do list, but somehow you still haven't gotten around to getting started? I get it. It's intimidating. It's stepping out of your comfort zone, but wouldn't it be great to finally do it and start looking and feeling younger and stronger? I have the answer for you. My new Strong for Summer group coaching program. I've got six spaces in this unique eight-week weight training Kickstarter where I'm going to be helping you get started weight training either at home or the weight room, your choice, so you can get stronger in time for summer. If you're interested in learning more, reach out to me in Instagram, in my DMs, or send me an email at lynn at befitafter40.com. The information is in the show notes. So, when you're online, you see all kinds of promotions of before and after pictures, people who have done these transformations. And you may be wondering, hey, can I actually do that? Can that happen to me? So, today we're going to be talking about the factors that affect what kind of a transformation you yourself will get. And so you can better judge whether it's realistic for you to expect the same kind of transformation you're seeing online and how quickly you can expect a transformation for yourself. And actually, this topic is so big that I'm splitting this into two podcasts. So it'll be this week's podcast and next week's podcast to cover all the bases. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss next week's podcast. So let's get into it. All right. So let's start with the things that you actually don't have a whole lot of control of. And these are things that are not talked about a whole lot because they tend to be excuses why people don't even get started. But I think it is fair if we're going to have this kind of discussion where we really look at all the factors that are going to affect what kind of results you get, that we also address these. So let's start with one, which you may not actually be aware of yet. And that is, are we talking about like natural or assisted? I think it is becoming far, far more common for people who are into bodybuilding and competing and these kinds of things to be using AIDS, let's say, and Unfortunately, they are not talking about it very openly. So you see these amazing before and after pictures. And yes, they are having to go to the weight room. They are having to put in the time, but they would not look like that if they were not using some steroids, right? So let's always remember that you need to have a bit of a filter when you're looking at these pictures that are these really, really Uh, natural results. And speaking of that, by the way, if you're looking at people who are into bodybuilding or competing on, you know, bikini fitness or other things, these people are super, super good at posing, right? To maximize how good they look. And of course, their pictures are generally taken right after they've done a workout session where they've really. Filled their muscles with blood, right? So they look maximally large. And at the same time, their body fat percentages are probably very low at that point. I know that a lot of them, they will lean down, they take a ton of pictures. Which then they use later. And of course, you know, that is a very good strategy for them because people are inspired by seeing these super low body weight, uh, very muscular, lean bodies. They look good, or that is the aesthetic nowadays. But these are things that you need to be aware of. In fact, if you look at before and after pictures, it's amazing how many of them are like, Uh, The before picture is in bad lighting, no tan, they are in a relaxed position, you know, their stomach is sticking out, you know, they're just hanging there, their posture may be worse, all the things, right? And then you see the after picture and they're tan, they've lost some body fat, they're flexed, they're posed a little bit better maybe even have a little bit different clothing on, which is showing off their muscles a little bit different ways. So I take progress pictures of myself and it's amazing. Um, If I choose a different style of underwear, my butt will look better or worse. So, So there are definitely tricks of the trade. And if you are not like looking for those, you may just see like, wow, they go from looking like that loosey goosey to being firm and fit. And you don't realize that actually there is this tan, there is flexing, there is posing, there is different clothing going on to make it look a lot better. So yeah, I love it when influencers post these reels where they're like, this is me, you know, when they're all flexed and everything. And then they say, and this is also me. And they show their their um, their fat or the rolls above their pants, all the things. So, yes, so please learn to read those pictures a little bit uh, skeptically. All right, but if we go into things other than these kind of marketing tricks, there are some factors that are going to affect your progress just that you can't really help. And one is genetics. And I also talk about this in my podcast episode. Oh my God, I should have the list here. But podcast episode where I talk about uh, biology of, of building muscle in middle age. But your genetics are, of course, they're going to play a part in how much progress you see and how quickly. I I remember so vividly when I was in college and I started weight training regularly. I was like going in two, three times a week doing progressive overload. And I mean, I was seeing muscle growth. And then one of my teammates who basically did nothing. And, you know, she came in with me one time and and she's like lifting, oh my God, maybe a third of what I was lifting, not going consistently or whatever. And oh my God, her muscle definition was just so much better than mine. And she was just one of those lucky people who can like bicep curl a pencil and she'll have a bicep to show for it. And and I see that even now in the weight room. (laughs) Sometimes I I like see a person across the weight room and I think, wow, that person looks really strong. They must be really lifting a lot of weight because they have really good muscle and a lot of muscle. And these are women. And then I see what they're actually like lifting and I think, yeah, okay. (laughs) Genetically gifted. I mean, yes, they're doing the work. I don't want to take credit away from them, but For some people, it's easier and some people it's not. I mean, it it is the same with any kind of endeavor, right? Some people are just naturally gifted at art or running or sprinting or whatever it is, or they have better eye-hand coordination. And and that is going to play a, a role in what kind of results you get. And there's just nothing you can do about that. So you've got to be happy about the wonderful genes that you do have because all of us have some things where we are just genetically gifted. It may be something else, something totally different uh, than anything physical. But anyway, genetics does play a role. And another part that does play a role is your age. And it's not so much about like, are you, you know, the, the years that you are, but it has to do with as women you know when we are in perimenopause and menopause then our hormones start to shift and um and here it becomes harder for us to build muscle so if you are in perimenopause your estrogen levels start to already fluctuate so they go up and down and up and down and up and down and though that fluctuation causes a lot of the perimenopause symptoms that you are Feeling, Uh, of course, estrogen and progesterone are causing the symptoms, but estrogen is the one that is uh, helping us with maintaining and growing our muscles. And so as that starts to kind of wind down, as we go through perimenopause, then mm, making good progress is going to be harder. And when you hit menopause, like I am, uh, so I'm in post-menopause, it is even harder because you don't have the estrogen helping you out. So you just, you just need to work a little bit harder. It's possible. It's definitely possible. I am going to do a podcast on that about my own journey in building muscle after menopause or in post menopause. Um, And uh, it is possible, but it is going to be harder. So even if I see I'm 52. So if I see an influencer who, or somebody on Instagram who is, let's say 55 and has had some sort of progress. I always am like, okay, well, she may be 55, but she might not even, you know, she might only be in perimenopause. So she still has her estrogen helping her. So it's just, these are just good things to know because I don't want you to be so hard on yourself. Like, oh, I suck. I'm not making any progress, but some things are just easier for others. Of course next after after covering these things you can't control I'm going to cover the things you can control so don't let these stop you but good for you to understand. So to summarize you know the things that you can't control is that you have your genetics that you have right and then it has something to do also with your age in the sense that are you in perimenopause are you in menopause? So how are your how, what are your levels of estrogen helping you out? And earlier we also talked about, well, are we talking about a natural transformation? Or are we talking about an assisted transformation with steroids? Okay, so that was the things you can't control. And so the next thing that's going to be important in terms of how quickly you'll see results or how quickly you'll make progress has to do with how you're training. Now, I don't want to discourage anybody from getting started, because if you are at the point of having zero weight training in your life, Even if you did once a week, that is, that's like, that's a huge change. All right. And you are going to get some benefits from that. If you can do twice a week, um, that's even better. So there is fairly good research to support the idea that you want to be triggering your muscles twice a week. Not on back to back days, by the way, but uh, twice a week. You want to be stimulating them so much that they want to adapt, and that's going to allow you to do pro uh, to make progress. Now, that doesn't mean that you just pick up any old weight, unless you're one of those super genetically gifted people uh, that I talked about earlier, who can basically bench p- press a pencil and end up with pecs. But normally um for most of us it is going to also depend on our programming so if you're just getting started weight training and you're kind of doing haphazard exercises then first of all you may not actually be training the muscles that you think you're training i see all kinds of videos online that are like oh train your biceps like this and then they're doing something and it's like okay that's actually not not stimulating the bicep muscle, you know, primarily, yeah, might do a teeny tiny bit of something. But yeah, so you need to make sure that you're actually doing exercises that are targeting the muscles that you want to be developing. And for most of us in middle age, who are really thinking about this from a health and fitness standpoint, we want to trigger all of our body muscles over the course of the week. And so in order to fit that into two sessions, it actually takes some knowledge of what exercises stimulate what muscles and how to, you know, fit them together so that your program isn't like two hours long each time. So programming is very important that you have the right exercises to do. And then you need to have the intensity when you're doing your exercises. So in past episodes, I've talked about progressive overload. So that is making sure that you are actually stimulating your muscle to make these adaptations to get stronger. So what? Pro- so, if you think about it, if you're doing The same thing every day, let's take something that's maybe easier for people to understand because I think most people have tried jogging at some point in their lives, right? If you decide that, okay, I'm going to take up running and I'm going to run around the block in five minutes, right? And you take off and you run around the block in five minutes, that first time that you run around the block, oh my God, that is going to feel like the longest five minutes of your entire life because your body is not in shape. For running around the block but if you continue to do that let's say every two or three days you run around the block at that same pace of five minutes you'll find that pretty soon that is pretty easy and if you continue to run around that same block and always using that same time yeah you're going to stay in reasonably good shape for running around at that you know pace for five minutes but it's not going to like build you to be, you know, better, like closer to being a marathon runner. You're still like one block, five minutes, right? So then, usually, I think naturally, runners start to run a little bit farther or they run a little bit faster, right? They're challenging themselves a little bit more so they continue developing their cardiovascular capacity. Well, it's exactly the same with muscles. So if you're always doing kind of the same exercise at the same weight and the same number of reps, your muscles will get used to that. And yeah, they'll be able to do that. But if you want to increase your strength and increase your muscle size so that you do look more toned and firm and all those things, then you need to continue to challenge your muscles so they continue to adapt, continue to grow. So, and that has to do with the intensity so the exercising has to be hard enough to tell your body that, hey, my current physical condition is not enough for this. And you need to be like slapping some more muscle into my body so that I can handle this kind of work that I need to be able to do. So that's uh, important. And by the way, you need time, right? This is not going to happen overnight. It is it's like, it is a many, 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 many weeks. It can, if you look at, uh, and I think it is wonderful, wonderful, um, when people share like their journey pictures, when coaches share their journey pictures and they're like, here's where I was after one year. Here's where I was after two years. Here's where I was after three years. Here's where I was after four years, you know, And you can just see that they are like putting on more and more muscle over time and their body is continuing to transform. And if they had shown you here was my starting point and here was after four weeks, you'd be like, huh, I don't really see much. And generally, if you do see these transformations over 12 weeks, it is um, often because the people have lost body fat, so they have gone on a diet and they've revealed the muscle that they already had underneath. So, so good to be aware of. You definitely need the time to get it done. And then the other I guess the last part of like this how you train thing is how are you how is your overall training program looking? Um I know a lot of us are super super in love with cardio I was that way for years. I, you know, for me, it wasn't a workout. If I wasn't sweating profusely, if I didn't feel like, you know, I could almost throw up by the end of it, then I felt like, yes, I've done something. You know, yeah, it was worth coming. And I felt so good. I felt so accomplished. And I get it. You know, you've done a hard thing and it feels really good and rewarding to know that you've done that hard thing. But if you are, constantly training so that you are, you know, going to do your weights, and then you're also doing really hard cardio, and you're in perimenopause menopause, you may actually be stressing your body out a bit too much. And this will be individual, maybe somebody's body can handle it. But I have, I have certainly noticed that I have been able to radically cut down on that kind of you know, hit by a truck workout sessions. And I look better than, and feel better than I have in years. Like I don't have sore knees. My Achilles tendons aren't bothering me anymore. I don't have like my hip. Um, I had a problem with my hip. That's all gone away as I've just gotten stronger. And I do care about cardio health as well. Um, I do think that is an important part. And I added in by I'm really strict with my step count and also getting in some very tough cardio. Well, this year's aim is once a week, but it's been about once every two weeks. But I I am very conscious of my heart health and and, uh, that'll be the thing that I probably add in a little bit more as time goes on. But if you're just killing your body every day, then that may inhibit your gains because you are raising your cortisol levels. And that is like a destructive hormone also for your muscles. Okay. So I think that's what we are going to cover today. And next time I'll talk about The things that uh, affect how quickly you will see and feel results, you know, and the things you can be doing kind of outside of the weight room. But to summarize what we went through today, so there really are so many factors that affect how quickly you're going to see results. So there are the ones that you can't control. There are is, well, okay, I guess you can control this a little bit, like whether you do it naturally, or whether you're using some steroids to help you out, Uh, your genetics, you definitely can't control that. So some people just are genetically more gifted as far as how quickly they build muscle, plus like where on their body, they build muscle. Also, by the way, where on your body, the fat deposits are, that is also genetically predetermined. So some people gain, you know, all over their body. Some people may be more on their tummy. Some people more on their butt, those kinds of things. So that's um, your genetics. And the best you can do is do your best with what you have and be happy with with the good parts that you have. So find that part on your body that you really love and focus on loving that. Of course, focus on loving your whole body, but, you know, instead of always picking at your flaws, like enjoy the parts that are like exactly as you would want them to be. And then there is the factor of age having to do with whether you're in perimenopause and menopause and where your estrogen levels are, because that is going to make a big difference as far as your um, ability to build muscle mass. And then also that is going to affect where your fat deposits are going because as you go into perimenopause, then you tend to get more of that belly fat, but actually weightlifting helps to get that visceral fat moving. And I've definitely noticed that, that like I'm getting narrower in that way. Then uh, as far as what you're doing when you're training in the weight room or at home, it can be at home as well. So how often you train is obviously going to make a difference. And how consistently you train so if you're making it to the weight room once a week sometimes like three times a month once a week you're not going to see results very quickly obviously right so but if you can commit to doing twice a week consistently that will already get you forward the best results that i've seen have been when you're training four times a week And that is because then you can split your training so that you do half of your body twice a week and half of your body the other two times a week. So it's not so tiring if you have to do all your muscle groups in one session. So you're able to have the level of intensity so that you're, you know, able to actually stimulate that muscle growth. And, um, and that has a lot to do with the programming. So that's something that I can definitely help with is, Hey, I only have two days a week, or sometimes I have two days a week. Sometimes I have four days a week, you know, how should I design my program so that I make progress over time? You know, that's the kind of thing that I can definitely help with for myself. What I have, um, designed is where I have an upper lower body split and I work out normally Four days a week, so that I'm doing upper body twice a week, lower body twice a week. But I do have busy weeks when I have the kids. So I'm divorced, I have the kids half the time. So when I have the kids, I have a lot more driving or, you know, I need to cook dinner more and all this kind of thing. So so then I may schedule my week. So I only go three times a week. So I have my upper body day, my lower body day, and then I have a third session plan, which it's a full body session. So how often you can go and having good programming so that you make the most of you, out of your time there is going to be important. And finally, you know, making sure that you're not shoving a whole bunch of cardio in everywhere and really tiring out your body. And that will also affect, you know, how good your weight training sessions are. It affects it the other way around too. I remember uh, I did a really tough lower body workout one wednesday and then i tried to go or i did go to my dance class on thursday which is a very high intensity dance class where you really need to use your legs and jump and be quick and all this and i was like okay maybe i won't be doing these (laughs) you know on back-to-back days because my legs were they were really pretty tired they weren't sore they were just super tired i could see i could feel did not have any bounce in my stride that day Okay, so that's it for this time. And next week, we will be talking about the factors outside of the weight room that will help determine how quickly you will see and feel results. Till then, happy training. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 40 Plus Fitness for Women. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to show your appreciation, please hit the subscribe button. That helps me to reach more listeners because it signals to the podcast algorithm gods that this is a good show. Talk to you next week.